This is the Sand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 19, Mind the Gap and Measure the Gain. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. If you're here for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope whether you're new or whether you've been here for a while that you will find something in this podcast today that will help you to stand more firmly in your faith and resolve to keep your testimony firm and solid in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is my goal today and always. And I'm very excited for today's topic. But before we get there, I would like to read the review of the week. This is from Sharla O. She says, I love the day a new episode comes out. I really love the insight I get as I think about the topics in my own life. This podcast has made me better. Well, thank you, Sharla O. For that wonderful review, I so appreciate that. And for all who have left ratings or reviews, it truly does help this podcast reach more people and helps me to find the people that I can help. So thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that. And Sharla, if you will reach out to me via DM on Instagram, via contact form on my website, lynetteshepard.com, via email, however is easiest for you. Let me know I read your review on the air. I would be happy to send you a thank you gift. If you would like to be featured as the reviewer of the week and receive a thank you gift from me, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, letting me know one way in which this podcast has improved your life. And if I read your review on the air, I will send you a gift as a thank you because it truly does mean so much to me. All right, my friends, let's move on to today's topic, which is mind the gap and measure the gain. We're going to explain what that means, but first let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel discouraged because you are not where you want to be? Maybe on your journey to self-improvement or spiritual fortification, you feel like you take two steps forward and one step back. Maybe sometimes you fall off the wagon altogether for the one millionth time, and you wonder if it's worth getting back on when you cannot seem to stay there. If you have ever felt that way, welcome to the club, my friend. You are absolutely normal. But there is a more fulfilling way to live. And today, I'm going to teach you what that might look like. But first, let me take you with me to the Grand Canyon. Last year, I made a goal to hike the Grand Canyon rim to rim in one day. This was something that had been on my bucket list for many years, and I was excited to make it a reality. But it is a grueling hike, covering 23 and a half miles, the last six of which include 4,300 feet of elevation gain. And again, I was going to do this all in one day. So I trained all year long. I hiked almost every day on the hills near my home. 
and my friend, who was a seasoned rim-to-rim hiker, assured me when the time got closer and I started to get nervous about whether or not I was ready, she assured me that my body was ready. She said, well, the last four miles are going to tax every ounce of mental and physical strength that you have, but the mental strength is the most important. She said finishing this hike was 80% mental and 20% physical. But the advice that she gave me was to never tell yourself you cannot do it. You can do it and you need to believe that you can do it. And I promise you, you will make it out of that canyon. So I took her her words to heart and I pondered on them and thought about what does that mean to be mentally prepared? And I wasn't sure really what that might look like because I had never attempted anything of this physical magnitude or mental magnitude before. On the night before the hike, I only got about three and a half hours of sleep because the closest lodging we could find was an hour and a half from the North Rim Trailhead where we were going to start our hike, which meant that we needed to be on the road by 3.30 in the morning. I was too nervous to sleep much and three o'clock came way too early. I wondered what that would do to my stamina on such a grueling hike, but I pushed those thoughts out of my mind, and I reminded myself that this hike was going to be amazing. And the trail, with its sheer cliffs, occasional waterfalls, and stunning views, did not disappoint. And all day long, I was having the time of my life. I was loving it. But then we started on the uphill ascent, which I knew would be difficult. And the last four miles, which I knew would be the hardest, our group at this point decided that we were going to hike at our own pace, which meant that we were spread out for probably a mile or a mile and a half along the trail. And I was alone for most of that time. And we were hoping to get out before dark, but it soon became obvious that that was not going to happen. My progress was much too slow. And at this point in the day, my legs and my feet were doing surprisingly well, but I could not seem to catch my breath. Every hundred yards felt like an eternity, and my progress was frustratingly slow. I looked up after it got dark, and I could see the zigzags of headlamps on the trail above me, so I could see how far I needed to go, and it felt entirely unreachable. My friend's words rang in my ears. Never tell yourself you cannot do it. You can do it, and you need to believe that you can do it. But my belief started to wane as my lungs struggled to keep up with the elevation and the steep ascent. At one point, just before dusk, I looked out at the vast canyon behind me. I have hiked that whole way today, I told myself. I couldn't even see the other rim at that point, and I had hiked that whole way. I can do three more miles. But as night enveloped me and I was alone on the trail, discouragement threatened to overpower my resolve. In more than one moment, I wondered if I would ever make it out. All I wanted to do was just sit down on the trail and never get back up, or at least not for a very long time. But I knew I needed to keep pressing forward. So in those moments of near complete discouragement and exhaustion, I would remind myself how far I'd come. You've come 21 miles today. You can do the last two and a half miles, I would tell myself. Or you have come 
22 miles today. You can do the last mile and a half. When I measured the gain, how far I had come, I felt empowered to press forward. But in weak moments, when I could see those zigzags up the, up the trail of headlamps and it felt like it would never end and I would never get out, I was measuring the gap. I felt defeated in those moments. So I tried to keep measuring the gain over and over with each labored inhale. And that is what got me out of that canyon. And while it took much longer than I expected and was too dark, I couldn't see the canyon in front of me when I got out. I couldn't see the vast expanse of the canyon when I reached the top. But the triumph felt amazing. That experience taught me with crystal clarity that measuring the gap between where I am and where I want to be is never helpful in hiking or in life. It breeds discouragement. Reminding myself how far I am from reaching my goal only leads me to want to quit when the going gets tough or when I fall off the bandwagon for the one millionth time. But measuring backwards or the gain how far I have come from where I have started, despite the detours or mistakes, is empowering. It's motivating. It leads me to want to keep going because I can see how much I've grown. I can see what I have learned. I can see my progress in becoming something more than I once was and can believe at that point that I can continue to make progress toward who I want to be. Hiking the Grand Canyon taught me to mind the gap and measure the gain. In other words, I learned to be aware of my weaknesses and where I might focus in future training, which for me was 100% cardio, while celebrating the progress I had made. I did make it out of that canyon. I did the 23 and a half miles in one day, and that was an amazing feat. I have seen the same principles of minding the gap and measuring the gain played out in the scriptures as well. I have been amazed as I have studied the stories of the Old Testament this year, which, to be honest, I have not paid super close attention to the Old Testament in the past, but I am learning to love it and see so many parallels between my life today and the life of the people in the Old Testament as I have really dove into these stories. But one story that really stands out as in this realm of minding the gap, but measuring the gain, was the children of Israel. We all know the story of the children of Israel. It is fresh in their minds because we have studied it this year, of how the Lord miraculously helped them escape the hands of the Egyptians. They were no longer slaves. Moses led them through the Red Sea in this completely unprecedented way, and they all experienced it and saw this amazing miracle take place. And it was not long after they set their feet on dry ground on the other side of the Red Sea, freed from their bondage, that they started complaining. That they started saying things like, Moses, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. How are we going to find food? How are we going to find water? And then later... After the Lord had miraculously provided them with manna that nourished them for years in the wilderness, but they were tired of it. They didn't want the manna anymore. And so in Numbers chapter 11, it says, We remember the fish we freely ate in Egypt, but now there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. 
So they were remembering Egypt with fondness. They almost wanted to go back there. They thought they might be better off in Egypt because while they were enslaved, which they conveniently maybe forgot that part of it, while they were enslaved, but they still got to eat good food. They got to eat fish. They got to eat fruits and vegetables of all varieties. And now they just have manna. They didn't acknowledge the fact that the Lord has saved us from bondage in miraculous ways. We have seen his hand in our lives over and over again. And this manna fulfills all of our nutritional needs and we don't even have to do anything. It just shows up every morning and we're able to gather it and eat it. They were absolutely measuring the gap and not the miracles, the gain, what they had learned, how far they had come. The same principle is illustrated in 1 Nephi chapter 17. And at this point in the Book of Mormon, the Lord had commanded Nephi to build a ship so that the family could sail across the ocean to safety. Well, Nephi didn't know anything about building a ship, and his brothers, Laman and Lemuel, knew that he didn't know anything about building a ship. And they were mocking him and making fun of him, and... Then in verse 21 of chapter 17, it, they said, Laman and Lemuel said to Nephi, Behold, these many years we have suffered in the wilderness, which time we might have enjoyed our possessions and the land of our inheritance, yea, and we might have been happy. Were they measuring the gap or were they measuring the gain? Of course, they were measuring the gap. They were looking back at all these things that had happened to them and the trials that had happened to them since they left Jerusalem. And they didn't have really a testimony that their father was a prophet and that he was actually leading them to safety and not leading them away from happiness. But all they saw was lack. They didn't see the miracles that had happened. They didn't see the blessings that the Lord had provided them with. They only saw what they did not have. They were measuring the gap. What we want versus what we have, and these two things do not measure up. But it's interesting because Nephi, just a few verses later, was talking to Laman and Lemuel, and he said, If God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me that I should say unto this water, Be thou earth, it should be earth. And if I should say it, it would be done. And now, if the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should build a ship? Did you hear Nephi's language? The Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles. Was Nephi measuring the gap or was he measuring the gain? Was he like Laman and Lemuel looking back and lamenting all these things that they left behind and wondering, well, how will we ever get this prosperity again? We have left behind our happiness. No. Nephi, though he had experienced the same things as Laman and Lemuel, except that he had also experienced their persecution, they had gone through the same challenges, they had experienced many of the same things, and yet Nephi talked about the miracles and the blessings of the Lord and the hand of God in all of their experiences, both positive and negative, through it all. God's hand was woven. He was measuring the gain 
He was measuring what they had learned, how they had grown, the people they were becoming, the fact that the Lord had not abandoned them. We have probably all been like the children of Israel at some point, complaining because we were not where we wanted to be. We have probably all been like Laman and Lemuel thinking we might have been happy if we had this or that or could keep up with this person, that person, or even our own expectations. But how do we become more like Nephi with eyes to see how far we have come, how much we have learned, and how good the Lord has been to us through it all? We learn to mind the gap and measure the gain. In the London subway, there are signs everywhere that say, mind the gap, reminding passengers to pay attention to the gap between the subway platform and the train itself. That gap could be hazardous if you're not paying attention, and minding the gap is a safety issue. We all have gaps in our lives that often come in the form of weaknesses, lack of understanding, apathy, busyness, and a million other things that sometimes get in the way of our progression. While we do not want to measure our weaknesses or use them as a paddle with which to beat ourselves, what if we only looked at how far we had come and never considered where we wanted to end up? In the classic story of Alice in Wonderland, Alice has a conversation with the Cheshire Cat. She asks him where she ought to go, and his wise answer is something we would all do well to ponder. That depends a good deal on where you want to get to. When Alice says she doesn't care much where she ends up, the cat responds, then it doesn't matter which way you go. If we never consider the future, where we want to end up, or who we hope to become, we can take any road we want, and it would not matter. In this scenario, life would be happening to us instead of through us. We would give away our power to create the life we desire, trusting everything to fate and taking little initiative to shape ourselves or our circumstances. If we cannot see where we are going, there is little likelihood we will end up where we want to be. Knowing where we want to go is vital, which means goals and plans and dreams are all good. They keep us moving in the right direction. But using those goals and plans as, and dreams as measuring sticks for our worth, our success in life, or our happiness will only lead to discouragement. Because none of us are perfect and we will all fall short of the mark at some point and probably at many points. Life is about learning by experience, which includes both positive and negative experiences. And this is God's plan for us. But didn't the Lord command us in the Sermon on the Mount to be perfect? Doesn't he expect us to be as close to perfect as we are able? I believe the Lord wants us to do our best, for sure. But there would have been no need for a Savior if we were capable of achieving perfection on our own. As Russell M. Nelson once said, In mortality, perfection is pending. I also love what Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said about this topic. He said, I believe in his perfection, and I know we are his spiritual sons and daughters with divine potential to become as he is. I also know that, as children of God, we should not demean or vilify ourselves, as if beating up on ourselves is somehow going to make us the person God wants us to become. 
No, with a willingness to repent and a desire for increased righteousness always in our hearts, I would hope we could pursue personal improvement in a way that doesn't include getting ulcers or anorexia, feeling depressed, or demolishing our self-esteem. That is not what the Lord wants for primary children or anyone else who honestly sings, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Close quote. Can I get an amen, my friends? On our journey to self-improvement and spiritual improvement, constantly measuring the gap between where we are and where we want to be will discourage us at best and demolish our self-esteem and willingness to keep trying at worst. Either way, it does not help us to move forward with hope. This also goes for comparing our progress with the progress of someone else. Comparison is 100% the thief of joy, no matter where the comparison originates. Thank you, Thomas Jefferson, for pointing that out. I can tell you that I have lots of personal experience with comparison. Allow me to give you just a little glimpse into my world of past comparison. I started blogging when my youngest son went to kindergarten because I was in desperate need of a creative outlet to give me something to call my own, some productive way to spend my time. I also felt very prompted to enter this space of sharing my life online. And to be honest, it was terrifying, but I dove in headfirst as I often do. My youngest is entering his freshman year of high school this week, actually. So I am nine years into my journey of creating content online. At first, I looked at it mostly as a hobby. Then, early in my blogging career, an article I wrote went viral and re was republished in the Huffington Post, where it was translated into several languages. It was published in the Deseret News, the San Francisco Globe, and several other smaller online publications. Almost overnight, it looked like I was going to make it in this blogging business. People cared about what I had to say. My words were resonating with people. And I rode that wave for a little while. But when all was said and done, my work went from crazy viral back to small and obscure. Some people stuck around. Most did not. And my moment in the spotlight did not convert to a large group of loyal fans. But I continued to write. I published an article almost every week, sometimes multiple articles every week for years. I tried my hand at social media. I connected with other bloggers and the growth in my platform from that point forward was almost non-existent. And I wanted to throw my hands up in the air and quit more times than I can tell you. I lived in the land of discouragement because I was spending so much of my time trying to do this thing that I felt called and inspired to do. And I felt like I was constantly spinning my wheels and getting nowhere. And I, on many occasions, complained to the Lord and begged him to tell me that it was time for me to leave my blogging days in the past and move on to something else. And every time I went to the Lord with this request, his answer was the same. Lynette, I need you to write. Keep doing your best and leave the outcome to me. So I did. And I wrote. And I wrote. And I wrote. And where I once used to write about everything, I really felt inspired to narrow my focus. And I focused mostly 
on parenting because I had experienced this massive transformation in my own parenting life and I had a desire to help other parents have a similar experience. So I eventually felt the pull to certify as a parenting coach. And that led me to launch a parenting podcast, which led me to create a parenting membership program. And all the while, my following remained tiny in comparison to where most of my online creator friends had ended up. And I worked and I worked and I worked and I poured my heart and my soul into that work. And so often it felt like wasted time. I can testify that eight years of measuring the gap and beating myself up for what I felt like I should have been able to do, grow an online following so that I could help the people that I felt called to help. It was exhausting in every sense of the word. But from where I stand right now, those years were absolutely critical for my growth. One year ago, I felt the pull to change the entire direction of my work. I knew without a doubt that the Lord was asking me to help strengthen women in matters of faith. I also knew, given the landscape of the world, that I was walking into a minefield of controversy and would need to be able to navigate it with grace. You know what else is controversial? Parenting. And I didn't even realize how controversial parenting was until I stepped into this arena of teaching parenting online. And I had spent years teaching a parenting style that went against almost every norm. And that required me to develop confidence in where I stood, no matter the opposition, which was sometimes pretty intense. I knew with this new with this new direction I was taking that I would need to be able to communicate with courage, compassion, and clarity on a variety of digital platforms. And looking back on my eight-year blogging journey, it became abundantly clear that I had grown by miles and miles in my ability to communicate with others in the online world. All of a sudden, that gap that I had been measuring and beating myself up with for years and years was replaced by a massive gain. I could see my growth and why it mattered. I knew I had developed skills and mindsets and resilience that I would need in this new leg on my journey. I saw the value in measuring backwards instead of beating myself up for things I had yet to accomplish. Mind the gap and measure the gain. As we work on improving ourselves spiritually and otherwise, we will likely be our own worst enemies because that's what we do sometimes. It comes very natural to be our worst enemies. But you may find that others may also push back. They may be uncomfortable with your new resolve and find reasons to discourage you. If you find yourself in that situation, think of these words by Leo Tolstoy, who once wrote of a priest who was criticized for not living as resolutely as he should. In response to that criticism, the priest said, Look at my life now and compare it to my former life. You will see that I am trying to live out the truth I proclaim. Unable to live up to the high ideals he taught, the priest admits he had failed, but he cries. 
Attack me if you wish. I do this myself, but don't attack the path I follow. If I know the way home, but am walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way simply because I am staggering from side to side? Do not gleefully shout, look at him, there he is, crawling into a bog. No, do not gloat, but give your help to anyone trying to walk the road back to God. Close quote. What a beautiful example of minding the gap, but measuring the gain. This priest acknowledged, I am not perfect. I make mistakes all the time, but look at where I am now compared to where I was. And don't judge me because I am imperfect. That can be a good thing for us to do for ourselves so that we stop judging ourselves so harshly, but also to allow us to give grace to others who may be walking drunkenly on the way back home. It is a given that all of us will fall short. We may at times feel as if we will never reach our desired destination. But when we get up each time we fall, repent of our mistakes, and lean on the Savior's atonement to help us overcome the natural tendencies that accompany living in a fallen world, then we too can hold our heads high. We too can say to ourselves and others, if I know the way home, but I'm walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way simply because I am staggering from side to side? The gap will always be there, and it is wise to assess where it is, lest we fall into its snare. But the gain, the gain will keep us pressing forward with hope, however clumsily, until we get out of the canyons in our lives. Mind the gap, measure the gain, and together, let's stand. All right, my friends, your shine challenge for this week is to determine one way you have been measuring the gap instead of the gain in your life, and try to turn that around by assessing how far you have come since starting your journey of self-improvement or spiritual improvement or whatever improvement you are aiming for. Mind to the gap, measure the gain. Let's do this together, my friends. Thank you for being here. I will see you next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, Find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard, that's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.